You're listening to Dr. Tony Nader, the podcast, dedicated to exploring the full potential of human physiology and mind with focus on ancient and modern techniques of self-development. Spend some time with Dr. Nader, who is leading the way in the science of consciousness and begin your journey to better understanding the relationship of mind and body, consciousness and physiology right now. In this episode, Dr. Nader shares a behind-the-scenes look at the recording of his new audiobook, One Unbounded Ocean of Consciousness. It's a joy to celebrate the launch of the audiobook, uh, One Unbounded Ocean of Consciousness, Simple Answers to the Big Questions in Life. We have been asked to do it, and it's great to thank Penguin Random House for organizing that. We did it in London in two places. One is associated directly with Penguin and part of it also on Abbey Road in London also. And so for me, it was a first time experience to record something. Uh, Of course, we have been recording different talks and discussions and free floating and thinking about uh, issues and questions about different aspects and topics of life. But this was really like very new to me where I had to put my voice in uh, a way that is clear, uh, that is no snow moving. So they asked me when I sit, it's completely soundproof and I have an earphones uh, that are very tight. And they asked also that I dress in a way that there is nothing that actually moves. So if it's a shirt, it should have been uh, that has no creases or no moving parts that make noise because the microphone picks up absolutely everything. So if you breathe, (laughs) if you move your body, if you move your legs, sometimes I did. And then they had uh, to ask me to repeat again Uh, because they wanted the voice to be absolutely pristine. And so it's quite an experience also to be there and having to talk for hours in a day because you can't sit there for a month. Uh, Everybody's busy and I had to do so many things. So we had to read the whole book, uh, about 350 pages or so, in four or five days. So I was kind of uh, wondering how my voice will hold. And it did, it did hold. Uh, They give you this drink, you know, with some honey and some lemon uh, in it. And you sip from time to time some warm water. There is not even true air conditioning in the rooms because the air conditioning produces uh, noise. The air was filtered very, very softly. And so I had to, from time to time, get out of the room and stretch and then come back. And then uh, they would be sitting there recording and listening to every word. So if I skip a sentence or part of a word even, uh, or I say a word in a way that is plural rather than singular, or it's not well pronounced, then they tell you to repeat. And so it goes on uh, like that. And then they, they are there recording. And there is a technician sitting there that is controlling all of that, the sound quality, whether my voice gets too loud or 
gets too soft so to maintain the same kind of tone and uh, I ended up doing it and it was a joy it was a pleasure and at the end you roll more you start rolling more uh, so it turned out to be something pleasant demanding I had to when I go home in the evening, I was not allowed to speak to anyone or to even talk to anybody, even brief talks. I had to be quiet to protect the voice because when you speak like this nonstop reading for five, six hours a day, it is natural that the voice uh, becomes a bit rough. But uh, I took some special candies uh, that have no sugar in them. Uh, this is how it worked. <laughs> So I can see many questions actually coming up, whether we cross the famous zebra crossing. <laughs> yeah, we can't, we can't say no, we did it. It was fun. So we, we enjoyed that also uh, for fun. We, we had a big laugh about it. And uh, it's great to be with you and to make this uh, celebration. It's just a moment of enjoying together those who are with us uh, now we have you know many are on book clubs they're discussing the the ideas that are in the book and thinking about them we had a course that has happened in dominican republic but it was broadcast i'm sure many of those who are with us today i'm sure have already uh, attended that but you can still join it if you like uh, it was sponsored by maharishi international university and there were more than 4,000 people that actually registered and followed the course. And so this really book is about uh, knowledge, about sharing important aspects of life, important aspects of our reality, and very fundamental questions. So it does have many practical suggestions. But it is, of course, mostly an understanding that is intellectual, emotional, uh, that allows us to see our position in life, where we are going, what are the rules of life and why they are there, why there is moral thinking, philosophical thinking, purpose of humanity. We don't know these questions, uh, how they can be answered normally. And throughout time and philosophy and thinking, these have been posed. And with the grace of the teaching that I received from Maharishi and combined with the scientific knowledge that is available today in describing how nature works, I came to these important conclusions and I wanted to share them. So the seekers of truths, the seekers of understanding reality from a fundamental level and what can we do about it, do not have to go searching very hard uh, and reinventing uh, everything. At least they can prevail of some knowledge and they can accept it or reject it. It's up to everyone. But this knowledge that we have is so powerful both on a personal level of experience, uh, understanding, and practice that makes life better. So that's why we are excited about it. Uh, we want to celebrate it, and we want to make it available to everyone. So the book and the audio is one thing, but they are not 
an end in themselves. The end is the knowledge that they are there. So the knowledge of the books should not remain in the books. We should integrate it. We should understand it. And that's why we want to celebrate it. We want to share it in different media. And we want all those who are like you participating with us to enjoy the steps uh, by which we are going and what we are doing and make it something enjoyable. And now as we come to the festive seasons and holiday seasons and change of uh, weather in different places and the nature waking up in some place, going to rest in some other place, uh, we want to thank you all, and that's why we are together today uh, to wish everyone a happy holidays, a happy end of the year, and happy beginning of a new year. Although we hear in the news all this about the pandemic coming up, so we have to be careful. We have to pay attention because with consciousness, the higher consciousness means also higher ability to see what is to be done in the right way, what is not to be done, how to protect ourselves, uh, how to advise others, and to accept that there are transition points and transition moments in life, and to be able to be solid within oneself, to be established in one's own inner strengths, one's own inner stability, and not be uh, you know, subject to changes and situations and circumstances, no matter how difficult they can be. Because ultimately as human beings, we live our life through consciousness. Without consciousness, we cannot have joy or pain or love or happiness or understanding and meaning. And so consciousness is very primary and the clarity and fluidity and transparency of our consciousness allows us to see beyond certain limitations. So we know we have that energy and intelligence within us. And this book reveals that ultimately guiding us to transcending, to going beyond with techniques of transcending. And so that's why we are also planning to create consultants and consciousness that will be able to spread this knowledge, that will be able to be trained and to explain to others the meaning of consciousness and the different technologies available to develop consciousness to its fullness. So for those who uh, don't like to read very much or want to enjoy you know, listening uh, because they are driving or they have a time when they are even exercising. I hope you will find this book a nice partner of knowledge and inspiration that the time will be used while doing even other things. It's fine. Uh, one can listen. And there might be places where you might want to stop and even rewind a little bit, a few minutes, if your attention went somewhere else. So listening should be easy and surrender to it and maybe listen to it many times if some points are of interest that seem to be flowing faster. So that's a joy for me uh, to be with you. And I would like to read some, some of the book parts 
The purpose of life is the expansion of happiness, he said, before adding, life is bliss and suffering is not necessary. The civil war raging around me, the suffering I met in the emergency room, the conflicts between people fighting or even killing each other for ideas, beliefs, political and economic convictions, and myriad other things, spoke against what he was saying. Yet he radiated through the television screen something genuine and credible. His demeanor and his speech were inspiring. I felt drawn to watch and listen more. During 11 years at a French Jesuit school in my primary and secondary education, I had developed a keen interest in theology and philosophy. It is my joy. Uh, so this is supposed to be a, a time where we read this book. So it was a good introduction. I thought I could read something from chapter two, which actually puts the context of the book in terms of worldview, our worldview. You know, every one of us has some worldview, even though we don't know it, but you know, we think that there is responsibility or not. Uh, we think that things can happen to us if we do something. Is there karma? Is there a reaction to our actions? Are we actually truly free or we are not? And we do believe in these things. We, we believe them because either through experience in life, we've been through circumstances where we felt that if we do something, there is a response from nature. We realize it, we know it. Sometimes it becomes a superstition. Sometimes it's based on prejudice. Sometimes it's based on one's own education or one's belief. But this actual worldview is something very fundamental that actually makes us live life based on this underlying perception of what reality is about. And so it sets the book in the context of what it means and why we have to understand uh, what is going on. So how we understand the rules of life, how we can manage them. So of course the book also gives uh, ideas about what can we do about them in terms of programs, of transcending, of going back into the self and hence to different ideas and practical things we can do. But uh, one of its main uh, aspects is to understand why these things work and how they work based on what is life made of? What is life about? What is its meaning? Where is it taking us? So to set up the stage, I wrote this uh, chapter too, which is titled In Search of Meaning. And it goes like this. Is there some hidden purpose to life, a secret design, a meaningful logic, a goal to reach? Why are we here? Where do we come from? And where do we go after we leave? Are we each on our own path with our own concerns and our individual and independent fate? For what should we be striving? Is it health, happiness, making money, being better than others, fulfilling the will of a divine being? Can we choose? Are we free or slaves of destiny? 
governed or looked after by some force, by the laws of nature or God? Or do we live in a chaotic universe tossed around by situations and circumstances? What is the source of evil? As conscious beings who wish to take control of our lives, these questions are not just relevant, they are fundamental. Everyone ends up making assumptions or staunchly subscribes to beliefs about many of them. Whether on a clearly conscious level or not, those beliefs or convictions become our underlying worldview, influencing all that we do. They shape our lives as foundations of our thinking, feeling, and behaving. We act as though we can make a change. We judge as if there is responsibility. We fight as if there is a purpose. Ignorance scares us. In search of meaning in the face of calamity, when in despair, we might blame ourselves or be angry with others. We might bow down to an unseen supernatural power and ask for forgiveness or relief or closure or even plan vengeance. For those whose universe is created by an omniscient and omnipotent God who manages every detail, life is seen as part of a perfect design requiring surrender and even readiness to fight and die to fulfill the divine will. This leads to various rules, rituals, and ways of thinking, to acting, worship, and sacrificing while fearing God's wrath or to taking refuge in his compassion. On the other extreme, the universe can be seen as a chaotic mess of interacting particles and physical forces that lead by trial and error to orderliness as in the evolution of plants, animals, and humans. Legality, customs, traditions, and guides to proper manners emerge, but there is also competition in the survival of the fittest, the most knowledgeable, the most aware and alert. Machiavellian-like interpretations might go as far as suggesting that you can do what you wish with no preset rules, no design, no law, no accountability. Steal, kill, pitilessly survive, grab and hoard whatever you can in a ruthless jungle or among hungry sharks, as long as you do not get caught by others, by some legal system, or by a mob in a society that is bigger and stronger than you. Among the multitude of opinions and beliefs, is there one supreme universal truth? What has the scientific approach revealed? Is there a worldview, a paradigm, a common denominator that can reconcile science with philosophy and spirituality, atheism with various kinds of monotheism and polytheism, and explain the coexistence of opposites? Is it possible that our universe has chaos and order simultaneously? Could there be a preset design 
and yet evolution by trial and error? Is freedom compatible with deterministic law? Could both the empiricist and the idealist be right? These and similar questions were not mere curiosities for me. I have devoted my life searching for answers, delving deeply into religious texts and their various interpretations, and familiarizing myself with different schools of philosophy. It sometimes seemed to me as if people were living in their own different universes. I turned to the study of medicine, psychiatry, and neurology to understand why, while being so similar, we can all be so different in our opinions, mindsets, and points of view. How does the human nervous system produce the mind with its vagaries that lead us all in all directions and even motivate some to fight and kill for the sake of ideas or in service to one's God? If indeed it is the physical nervous system that produces consciousness, I believed I could contribute to finding answers myself by becoming a scientist, researching how the brain worked. However, the available knowledge and scientific techniques were by necessity fragmented. The answers to my fundamental questions were too complex and too abstract to be amenable to scientific investigation. What is it that we call material and physical anyway? Physics describes matter as being made out of atoms, themselves made of elementary particles that are excitations of underlying progressively more unified and non-local energy fields. How can the feelings, cognitive functions, awareness and consciousness that upholds all subjective experiences emerge from those fields of energy? Or do they? So this is part of um, chapter two, and it, it goes on to define really the problem and the situation in which I was and which motivated me throughout my life to find answers. And I feel I did find answers, mainly uh, being tutored as an apprentice, as a student uh, with Maharishi Mahesh Yogi and his wisdom that comes from the ancient Vedic tradition, yoga and meditation techniques at their supreme level. And of course, comparing this to science and what science says and what philosophy says and what people say, and actually finding a compatibility, finding a common denominator that could actually remove the divisions between people, remove the divisions between belief systems, remove the divisions and the fears of the other because they are different, and accept differences on the basis of one unbounded unity, which is the source of everything, and which is ultimately our true self, as our book guides us and shows us how consciousness actually appears as matter in a way that is not dogmatic, but that is logical, that is based on findings. So there is a lot of empiricism, which means actual findings and observations. At the same time, logic and answering the big questions. And so whenever something answers many questions at the same time, it has always been considered as going in the right direction. And also the simpler 
the answers are, the simpler the paradigm is, the more complete in science it has been shown and the more true it is in terms of its logic and its suppositions and its presentation. Thank you for tuning into Dr. Tony Nader, the podcast. And if you're interested in learning more from Dr. Nader, please follow him on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.